There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV friends. Thank you for joining me today here on WCN TV. And guess what? We're now live on Rumble. That's right. You can catch us live on Rumble. We're live on YouTube every week. And of course, right here on WCNTV.net. I'm pleased today to have uh, author David Heron with me. We're going to discuss his book, End Time Living. Despite conflict and hardship, all is well. This is going to be a conversation you'll want to share with your friends and those on uh, your circle of friends on social media and other places, uh, because this is a very relevant, timely topic, I might add. David, thank you for joining me today on WCN-TV. Well, Mike, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's, it's wonderful to have you on. Now, the first question right out of the gate, David, people are going to want to know, um, end times? How in the world would you get started? What what interested you uh, this subject especially, and and took you down this path? Now you're writing books on the topic, so maybe we should start there, Dave. Yeah. Well, what happened was uh, I was just getting to retire my profession. I was a sports writer for most of my life, had nothing to do uh, with with you know Christian things that I was interested in. But I'm getting ready to retire. I'm reading the book of Isaiah. I get to the to the sixth chapter, the eighth verse, and Isaiah is hearing God converse with himself. You know how that works. I guess it's the Father, Son, and Spirit. But anyway, there's a conversation, and and Isaiah hears it, and they're saying, "Well, well who shall we send? Who will go for us?" And Isaiah kind of, I'm sure this was timid because it was me. It was. He kind of says, "Well, here am I. Send me." And they did. And then we got the book of Isaiah with all these wonderful prophecies and many, many of them about Jesus. Well, what happened to me was I, I said, I said, well, I'm, I'll, I'm going to do the same thing. Um, so I said, here, I send me. And the following day, as I read on into the book of Isaiah, all of a sudden I started to understand things that I had never understood before. Now I attributed to the spirit of God. It could, you know, you could say, well, it might have been coincidence or whatever, but no, I, I just had never really understood it as well before that as I started to the next day. And of course, I was in the beginning of the book, so I went all the way through it. And then I thought, whoa, um, one of the first things I noticed was that when it was talking about the day of the Lord, it refers to Jesus' return, the day of Jesus' return. And, and and I believe it was Peter verified that in the New Testament by saying, well, it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Well, the only thing that happened that hadn't happened to that point was that Jesus had not returned. And, and the day of the Lord also is called in second reference that day. And my wife had in her Bible, which I now in front of me, she had put, well, what, what day? Well, that day refers to the day of the Lord, which is Jesus' return. Now, a lot of Isaiah's prophecies were dual in the sense that long range, they referred to Jesus' return and other things. 
short range, they were about what was going on then. Um, and, and I think, I believe it's true that a lot of the prophecies did, were fulfilled in 70 AD uh, when Jerusalem fell. Um, and one of, one of the coincidental things, if it was coincidence, was that there was a comet in the sky. And my research, as I got into this, I, I believe now that it will be a comet that will be the sign of Jesus' return. So there, there, are, there is this link here between the fall of Jerusalem and the return of Jesus, even though at that time, um, the people, most, all oh, there were Christians, okay. There were Christians and they did come back after the fall to rebuild and help people. And a lot of those people got saved as a result of that. And since that time, Christians' um, greatest opportunity for sharing the gospel has come during hard times. Uh, We've seen in the United States of America, a lot of Christians, um, well, right now, uh, in the the aftermath of the tornadoes, there are Christian organizations, I believe Franklin Graham has got one going. He always seems to, whenever there's something, um, whenever there's trouble going on, he always seems to go there to help people with with his contingent. Anyway, that that's kind of bringing it up to date. It started with with Isaiah six eight and that here am I send me, which although timid, I really meant it, and uh, I, I believe the Lord has um, kind of done with me. Maybe not. I'm not a prophet. Isaiah is a prophet, but I can now understand prophecies. Uh, a lot better than I could so that I can write about it and be helpful to other people. At least that's what I'm trying to do. And I believe the Lord has been using me to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And, and the reason that you're, you're helpful, uh, David is because you've, you've done the study. That's what's required. There are so many different, uh, end times scenarios. Um, most of them are found, uh, embedded in theological systems, broader theological systems, whether it's uh, biblical theology, systematic theology, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, each of those systems has an end times theology or timeline or or, or order of events, and and that's one thing that is that is prevalent. And you'll see in the prophetic literature, Jesus, in fact, said that we can expect certain things to happen during the end time. And you cover some of those in your book. And again, uh, friends, you can go to um, David's website, endtimesmystery.com, endtimesmystery.com, and and get his books there. This one, End Time Living Despite Conflict and Hardship, all is well. So Jesus talked about some of those signs, uh, David, and you covered some of those in your book. I'm wondering if you would share some of those with uh, with our viewers. Um, well, one thing I just want to mention that also the book is available on on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's just not just not the website alone, and you might get it faster on Amazon. I don't I don't know, um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I, one of the ones that, that well, there's, there's really a lot. Uh, he said there was going to be trouble. He said there would, the word he used is translated tribulation. And what it really means is oppression. Uh, under the, the word underneath there is pressure. But it's, it means a lot more than just pressure. It means oppression. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is not a good thing. But he also, Jesus went out of his way to encourage people. Because he, a lot of a lot of his sermon was about that subject. I think almost half of it. Uh, but he wanted to encourage people not to be afraid. He, he repeated a couple of times, "Do not be afraid." And then, then once I think he, what he did, he said, he said, "Don't even be worried about it. Don't even be anxious about it. If something happens to you, if they arrest you and do this, blah blah blah, uh, I will show you what to say." And it's like, and he says, stand firm no matter what happens. And I think that's as much a spiritual posture as a physical one, although it is a physical one, because we know that the original uh, apostles did turn and run. 
not just Peter, but they did turn and run. They fled. Um, Jesus said there would be an occasion where fleeing would be in order, but not when they, you know, not when they bring you into your courtroom. Stand firm, he said. He said, trust me. He said, I- I've got this thing. I'm going to shorten the tribulation. Just trust me. Do not be afraid. Um, so all of the things, and some of them are bad, um, not just not just the, 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 the oppression, but also there's going to be wars, revolutions. Um, in general, society is going to be in a bad way. And Jesus said this would happen in all nations. He didn't just say, well, maybe yours is not, is not going to happen. No, he said all nations. So we can expect in the United States of America for the first time in this country's history to have some of the um, trouble that is experienced very often in other nations, uh, well, especially in Asia, Africa. But, but we have been blessed. And I think that's been because we've, as a nation, we've um, served the Lord, or at least a lot of us have. And I think that has changed lately. And that's one of the reasons that we seem to be in trouble right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely so. And I I agree with that. Our heritage, our foundation, in fact, as a nation, uh, in spite of the Enlightenment influences and uh, some of the secret society influences, which we can't deny upon some of the founders, in spite of all of that, uh, God was in the founding of this nation and in, in, in directing the, the birth of this nation and, and setting the course for us. Um, America has been a shining light. That light is being dimmed intentionally now, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, that, that Jesus talked about persecution. Uh, he talked about betrayal. He talked about persecution. And he said that that you see this happening to me, expect it. It will happen to you. And he wasn't just talking about those 12, those disciples or the larger group of disciples that, that followed him around during his earthly ministry. By extension, that means us as well. Now, the Beatitudes that, that Christ taught um, he said that when we're, we are persecuted, that our heavenly reward is great. Yes. Now, I think that that should give us an indication of how we're supposed to respond when we experience hardships. What, what do you say about that, David? Well, that's one of my favorite verses. There are actually two Beatitudes. The last two both talk about the blessings of persecution uh, and, and suffering for, for Christ's sake, suffering for Christ's sake. Now that that is, Jesus mentioned it in that way, suffering for His sake, for my sake. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what it, what it comes down to. Jesus suffered for our sake, and they crucified Him, and He died for our sake and for our sins. Well, why should we not have to do at least as much? Um, it's not that we can save Jesus, but we have a responsibility in this. I mean, we should, shouldn't, we're not again, we're not in for a free ride. Okay. Uh, the world is a harsh place. Satan's still here and he's got a lot of minions around doing his work. Uh, so we can expect until the very end when Jesus does return, that there is going to be trouble. And of course, trouble is just a shortened form of the word tribulation. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing that um, in the long run for eternal life, it's actually a good thing. Although at the time, um, I don't know of anybody who really enjoys it, but it's, it's Jesus promised. He said, this, this will lead to um, a great blessing, an eternal blessing. And I, I, that, that, that's really one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. And he also said he was going to shorten it. It's not going to be as long as it would be. And I believe it's the well, revelation in a couple of places where it is literal does indicate that it will be about three and a half years. Um, but Jesus said, I'm going to shorten it. So he, he, you know, he's trying to convey to his people that it's okay, that he's, that we can trust him. We can trust him. And well, I, do I ever have anxiety about it? I have. 
but I think less than I would have had um, before I had before I started getting into this and 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 really understanding the underneath of it, which is that Jesus has got it. The Father has got it. The Holy Spirit, they've got it. This is part of the big plan. And yes, it does entail the suffering of believers, but this is going to be turned into great rewards and blessings when we get to heaven. So um, that big picture is that it's a positive thing, even though it doesn't seem like it right now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I like about your, your book, David, um, is that you don't just make the observations. You, you don't just, uh, uh, criticize the, the current, uh, state of affairs, but you also offer solutions. You also encourage people to think about how to prepare for what's going to happen. Um, and it's not a matter of if, but when, so I speak to that. What should we be doing as believers now? Because when people hear um, prepare, they, they think preparation or, or prepping, and that's not entirely true. That's not what, what you're getting at. So, so share that with us. Well, the two, the two biggies, and in fact, Jesus used the word watch more than any other. But when he would use the word watch, he, he wasn't being talking about casual watching. He was talking about paying attention, really mm-hmm. knowing what's going on and having a plan about what you're going to be doing uh, when it does go on. Uh, and, and the other side of it was pray. So I think the two biggest things, there are other things he mentioned, but the two biggest ones are watching so you'll know. You won't be surprised. You won't, you know, like Peter was when he, he, didn't, he didn't think anything was going to happen. He didn't, he thought, since Jesus was God, nothing was going to happen to him. And so when it did, Peter panicked. Well, he doesn't, Jesus did not want Peter to panic. He does not want us to panic. The preparation involves mostly watching so you know what's going on and praying. Praying, of course, is the, 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 the well, it's more important than, than watching. But watching is so important that Jesus mentions it, I think it's 10 times in the three versions of his sermon, in Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24, I think it appears 10 times that you got to watch. You got to pay attention. You got to, you can't be surprised about it. You can't be panicked about it. Uh, but then, of course, the prayer undergirds, and that's really the strength of the whole thing. And he said, don't, don't even be worried. He's going to show us what to say. You know, you don't even have to memorize the speech. He's going to show us what to say. If we get, you know, if we go into one of these court situations like Jesus did, he'll show us what to say. I think that's a wonderful promise. Amen. I, I agree with that. And I, and I do want to touch on the, both of those subjects a little later in our conversation, David, prayer and, and, and being watchful or even we could say being a watchman. I want to touch on those things a little later in our conversation. But for now, uh, all of us know people that are not uh, believers, that are not Christians. And during these times when everybody is uh, gripped by, by a bit of anxiety or concern about things that are going on, what should be our primary focus, our primary prayer, our primary uh, attitude toward those people who are not believers? For me, it's the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And I've got to admit, I have, I've missed opportunities, but, and I know a friend who, who makes opportunities all the time and I kind of envy him. But, but on the other hand, I've been really blessed with, with this uh, information that the Lord has shown me about, uh, about the end time. And so th- this is, this is, well, let's back up again for a minute to the prep. Could you, could you back me up now to the question again? It was, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, so, so in this climate that we live in, yeah. we have opportunities to, yes. to, to meet yes. and speak with people sure. and especially unbelievers yeah. because whether you're, you're in, in Christ by faith or, or not, 
people are still concerned about what's going on. They're still anxious. There's still worry. So, so what should be our primary focus, our primary concern, our primary prayer towards those who are not in Christ? Yeah. And that, and that's it, that they will be saved and brought to the knowledge of the truth. And we also have a wonderful promise about that. I believe it's Zephan- Zephaniah and nine, seven or eight, something like that. Um, that, that may not be exactly right because I'm not great at remembering that kind of thing, but I know it's there. I've read it numerous times where the prophet has, has predicted and the day of the Lord at the end, when Jesus returns, that one third of the human beings on the face of the earth will be going up. And when you look around now, and I've got some of these numbers from, from D. James Kennedy, who was my pastor for a while, and Billy Graham, who preached at Kennedy's church when it was open and was a, was a friend of Kennedy's, they, they were, they're two of the greatest evangelists that, that this country ever had. The person of Billy Graham and his preaching and the establishment of evangelism explosion, which is now in every nation of the world, uh, by Kennedy. And they know. And Kennedy has told me, um, well, he's not just me. He has said it on a couple of occasions that I know of, that when people come to his evangelism, um, what do you call them? The, the, the lessons and, the, and then the going out and actually sharing that less than one half of the people, and these are Christians who, you know, they wouldn't be there if they didn't think they had, they were zealous Christians because this is not a, not an easy thing to do to learn to be an evangelist. But he, he said, many of them find out when they come that they're not saved. And of course, a lot of them do get saved in the evangelism explosion program, as did my wife, Joan, um, who had been a, a Catholic and she's, she was marginal. I know that she had, had Christian faith, but it wasn't a saving faith. And she said she got saved one night after coming from home from the evangelism explosion uh, meetings that we had in the kitchen. It wasn't anything that I told her. She said it was, no, the Lord came. I guess it was the Holy Spirit. But she got saved in the kitchen. But another part of it is that a lot of pastors come to the evangelism explosion um, to be able to be better witnesses. And Kennedy said less than half of those are actually saved. Now, we're, we're talking here, you know, there's a lot of people in the United States of America that are calling themselves Christians who are not even saved. They were not actually Christians. And the worldwide, probably right now, I think undoubtedly right now, the number of Christians per capita worldwide is less than one in 10. So to get it up to one in three, you can just imagine how many people are going to have to be saved and brought to the knowledge of the truth. And it's going to be a great finish. No matter what the devil does, he cannot win. Yes. Amen. Well, that's a, that's a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what you're describing there. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, we know what that is from Galatians chapter 5, all of those things. Um, how is the, as the, the gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, are they're, they're manifested through us, through our behavior, through our thinking, through our attitudes, um, all of those things, um, especially when we're under pressure or in difficult times or difficult circumstances, it's very important that we manifest the fruit of the spirit, especially then, isn't it? Did I I lose you, David? I think we lost each other there for a minute. Okay. So my question was, my question was the fruit of the spirit and, and how that is going to be manifested. You're talking about a great end times revival when um, many are going to be saved. Um, Kennedy, I believe, uh, taught that. And so, so that's going to require, well, can I, can I be so bold as to say that's going to require a whole different attitude than what, what many believers have today concerning unbelievers. We're, we're going to have to really manifest and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us toward those who are unbelievers, aren't we? Yeah, and... and um, um... Billy Graham said the same thing. I've I've seen, uh, read a lot of the stuff that Billy Graham has written and preached that have been reprinted. He said the same thing. The 
percentage of, of believers worldwide is very low. Uh, there are some, some, some missions that are effective, but in, in some of the Asian nations, they're, you know, really very low. In the African nations, mm-hmm. it's the same way. Yeah. And, and, and in the Western Hemisphere, it's not real high. And right now, the United States is probably under, under one in four uh, because of the, we've got a whole generation that has kind of gone, gone the other way. Uh, yes. But the great thing to me, okay, one of the things that happened to me around the same time, actually, it was shortly after the evangelism explosion, was that I got, uh, I became a religion editor of the newspaper for a short period of time and met everybody. And the most interest, the ones that most interested me were uh, Don Basham um, and uh, uh, Derek Prince and Bob Mumford. They had, they had an organization. I was in Fort Lauderdale at the time. Okay. And I, I forget the exact name of their organization, but uh, I became acquainted with Basham and Prince and they were filled with the spirit. I mean, they were baptized in the spirit. So um, that was something that I saw and received. And I think when you're baptized, that means actually immersed in the spirit. There are three scriptural verbs used of the Holy Spirit. One is you receive the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this happens um, on special occasions. Uh, a Christian can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the third one is being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is an immersion. And that just kind of supersedes everything else. Um, when that happens, the Holy Spirit is really moving with power. And whether you're a charity girl singing a great song as she does, and, and boy, is she, is she powerfully um, motivated by the Spirit. I believe that she is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I think that that was a big factor for me, and I think it is also for for any believer to have the maximum experience you can possibly have with the Holy Spirit, and He's the one who does this. Um, you just are obedient and and are there, and and He kind of puts the words in your mouth and the smile on your face, and uh, He just does it, and, and it's a wonderful thing that that He does, um, and and I experienced that. Now, that didn't make me a great evangelist. I, I still blow it a lot of times. But it certainly helped a lot of times to realize that the Holy Spirit was really in charge. And I wasn't just you know, fiddling around here. Well, he's present, but there was no buts. <laughs> he was really there and he was really doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spencer, would you do me a favor and pull up Second Chronicles seven fourteen? Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I want to touch again. Uh, you brought up prayer before, David, and I, and I want to touch on on the the significance of um, prayer, but not just prayer. There's something that we have to do. Prayer prayer should precede behavior or action. We should pray, but then we should take action. Second Chronicles seven fourteen is a perfect illustration of that. Because it says here, if my people are called by my name, and and this is a significant condition or qualifier, okay, will first of all, humble themselves, humble themselves and pray. Isn't that an amazing statement that we would have to humble ourselves in order to pray? Well, I I guess there's definitely come first because exactly yes humble ourselves first then pray then seek god's face and then where the rubber meets the road (laughs) turn from your wicked ways turn from your wicked ways david i don't see a wholesale turning away from sin and wickedness today do you i don't see any and that's that's one of our big problems but because because even even um well, when I married Joe, um, even, even the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church that I, I went to, maybe they weren't zealous. Some people, some Catholics were saved and some Lutherans were. They weren't zealous. But now it's not a question of even that, being that. At least they tried to be, you know, 
the Catholics make, make confession and Lutherans um, prayed. Um, now um, it's, it's pretty much, we've got a whole generation that is mostly, I wouldn't say all, but mostly uh, atheistic or, 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 or close to it. And of course, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, the school, the schools are antichrist now. They actually are. Yes. And a lot of the pa- a lot of the parents act like they don't care. They 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 don't recognize it, and their kids are are limping along spiritually, and they don't even seem to realize it. And so we've got this terrible situation right now where the where the country is really spiritually deteriorating. Um, mm-hmm. And God ultimately. When that happens, we know what happened to Israel. Whenever that happened, you know, whenever they turned away from Him, we know what happened. So yeah. we we should not be surprised at the direction that we are sliding right now. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, instead of turning from wickedness, turning from our evil, American culture seems to be running headlong toward it, seeing what new thing they can they can pull out of their imagination and then try to force on. On the rest of it, friends. I'm I'm speaking with author David Heron. His book is In Time Living. Despite conflict and hardship, all is well. And that book is available on Amazon, and it's also available on David's website, endtimesmystery.com. You can get it there. And and David, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. If they order it from your website, will you sign it for them? Actually, I'll probably never see it. <laughs> That's <laughs> an honest answer. My, my website is run from um, the state of Wyoming, where my books are published. Um, so I probably won't even see it. Um, I'll, I'll say this: they could probably arrange something. Um, okay, so it could be routed through me, or I could. But okay, no, so if they go so now, they, well, I won't see it. So, so if they go to your website, David, and and contact you on the contact form and say, "Hey, I want a signed copy," you can probably get that arranged. Um, I, I'm, I, I haven't had the occasion yet. <laughs> I could just send one of mine and sign it. Uh, yeah, that would probably uh, be the way to go. You but might I, not be I, able I, to get a signed copy, that. friends, but it's worth <laughs> the effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. try, to, try to see if you can do that. Well, uh, as I was reading through your book, David, I appreciated the fact that that you you gave. I mean, it's it's as I said in the in the uh, opening uh, of our conversation. It's a very timely book, and and one of the reasons it's timely is because you re, you use real time, real life, right now situations and examples to illustrate the points that you're making, and that's always a, a valuable tool. Uh, for any author. And, and, uh, and so you, you brought up the, the uh, quote unquote insurrection that wasn't an insurrection in January the 6th of 2020. My question is what role, if, if any, do you believe that the lies surrounding the insurrection that wasn't an insurrection have stood because the church has remained silent about it? Well, part of part of that is is the church remaining silent, and part of it is the uh, monumental lying that's going on through the media. Um, and I know them. Okay, I, I was there when and I heard them talking about historical revisionism, how they were going to make bad guys out of our 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 forefathers who were Christians, by the way, Washington, mm-hmm. Jefferson, Adams. They're Christians. And even Benjamin Franklin was a Christian. He was the one who said, let's now pray so that we can get this taken care of when they were having a debate. Um, but it, it's, um, oh, now I've lost my train of thought again. <laughs> <laughs> talking about talking about the insurrection that wasn't an insurrection. It was, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, well, well, that um, actually I was right. I, mean, I knew what was going on. And of course, the media are now almost 100 percent, not not just one political party, but socialists. And they have said they've come right out and said. What we care about is turning this country into a socialist nation, which is another word of saying either a communist or a Nazi one, because they're the only socialists that I know about. 
Yeah. They're Nazi socialists and they're communist socialists and that's it. And yep. they want to turn this country into that. And the way it has always been done is through, uh, through a lot of lies and a lot of oppression. And we're getting that now, even, even, even capitalizing on a sickness, which was created in the test tube in Chinese <laughs> communist China and which can be distributed and is being distributed. Um, the whole thing is, is, is a political thing and has been used politically. And the whole idea is to try to get to weaken the nation uh, economically. So you'll have an economic collapse and we see that happening. Um, yeah. Spending is off the, off the, you know, it's off the chart. It's ridiculous. Um, we see the favoritism right now. If you're an illegal, yeah, come on in, we'll do this. And you vote for us and we'll give you this, we'll give you that. But if you're a Christian, oh, you better watch it. If you pray on a school school ground, you'll be fired. That has yeah. happened. Um, that is just where we are. Yeah. We are going toward um, socialism. Now, yeah. whether the, the Russians or the Chinese get here first, I don't know. But we are heading toward socialism, and so is is Europe. Um, we had for a while uh, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which was uh, really headed by Stalin, Russia, thanks to his, the approval of FDR and Winston Churchill, who, who, who are lauded yep. as heroes in, in, by the media. And yep. no wonder, because they put Europe under socialism. Well, now it's the next time around, it's going to be worse. Um, maybe not worse in Europe, because they had it for more than three and a half years the first time. But the point being that this is what's happening. And it isn't just the media. Um, whom I know, but but I know that it's also it comes out of Hollywood, it comes it comes out of uh, college campuses. It, there's a lot of it going on, mm -hmm. and it's it's the it's the whole generation is being taught to be socialists through public yep. schools. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's the way they're being trained to be, and we get a lot of getting a lot of suicides because. Deep down, um, they know there's something deeply wrong here. And yeah. so a lot of teenagers are committing suicide. It's a very sad situation from the standpoint of the, the deterioration, the, the decline. But Jesus has said uh, he's going to take care of it. We're going to have to go through really hard times, but he is going to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. There's no... There's no question. There should be no question in anyone's mind today. Uh, as you've already pointed out, David, the media just admits what they're doing. But we're witnessing uh, in America a, a progressive Marxist communist, which is to say satanic coup d'etat. And um, there should be no question about that. The end game, of course, is to and we can talk about destroying our economy, destroying our way of life, our freedoms, our liberties. The end game, though, the real goal and the prize is always the same, and that is to destroy, to attempt to destroy God's people and his body, the church um, in America and across the world. Uh, persecution, David, is here. The time is here. Christians are beginning to see, experience. It's happening right now, but as you've pointed out, you point out in your book, Jesus said those days would come. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 uh, says this, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Um, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So again, we shouldn't be surprised at, at what is coming right now to the shores of America. It's every place else in the world. We are naive if we think it'll never land here, aren't we? Yeah. And I want to, I want to add something to that because uh, actually this was recently that I discovered this is it's in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 32 and Jeremiah, um, both the 17th chapter and the 30th. Um, we are experienced 
experiencing treason, traitors in this country. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We are experiencing destroyers trying to destroy this country. That's what they're doing. We are experiencing also, it's not, it's not manifest fully yet, but the beginnings of terrorism. And they're actually exploiting um, the, the, the COVID to, to, to terrorize people. Say, well, you do this, we're going to fire you. You do this and we're going to put you in jail. You do this and we're going to burn your house down. People have had their homes invaded because, of, because they were taking a stand uh, uh, against this kind of thing. But here's what, here's what the Bible says. The prophets have said, the traitors will be betrayed. The destroyers will be destroyed and the terrorists will be terrified. And this is referring to the last days just before Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. I just love that. The traitor yeah. will be betrayed, the destroyers will be destroyed, and the terrorists will be terrified. And, yeah. and, that, and that has meant uh, sometimes when, when people really got terrified, that they, they turn, they have to make a decision. Okay, you're either going to hell right now, or you're going to turn the life over to the Lord. And some of them do turn their lives over to the Lord. They do. Uh, if you read Richard Wormbrand's uh, books, you'll find that a lot of people who were running the concentration camps in Europe during the during the uh, uh, the reign of the Soviet uh, the Soviet Union, that a lot of them got saved. Yeah. Um, they got really scared and they got saved, or else they got so disgusted at what they were doing that they just turned. Just, oh, I can't do this anymore, um, and they got saved. And, and that is God's thing. He, he, he wants to save. He desires for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and he wants us. Uh, well, uh, I don't know how near, near we are to the end, but, but, but he, he, he wants us to be, as Christians, he wants us to be aware of what's going on to, to share the gospel, uh, to pray for these people, and to love them. This is something that boggles the mind. He wants us to do what he did. He loved people, even even people who hated him. Uh, he, he loved them and wanted them. Uh, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Um, he And he also had an attitude toward them um, that there could be forgiveness. I, I have a problem with that. If somebody were to, were to kill my family, I would have a problem with, 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 with loving them um, and um, forgiving them. But that is part of, of the gospel, spreading the gospel. Is, and, and Wormbrand, uh, in his books, he, well, there's one 12-year-old boy. His mother is, is, is murdered in a concentration camp. He shows up one day and hands the guy who murdered him murdered her, his mother, this, this, these flowers. He said, he says to the guy, this is my mother's birthday. And, and she, she told, she, she died in here and you, and you murdered her, but she taught me to love and to forgive my enemies. And so I'm giving these flowers to you. Well, this guy wound up in the prison right next to Wormbrand. He, he walked in tearfully. He, he was repentant and the, and Wormbrand led him to the Lord. Uh, he just couldn't. He, he told Wormbrand he just couldn't do it anymore. This this little boy got through with him with love and forgiveness. Uh, those are hard things yeah. in situations like that. Yeah, absolutely, David. I think there's a great shaking, a great um, um, gleaning, a great pruning that's going on right now. One of the principles in the scriptures is that the enemy means things for evil, for destruction, for his own wicked purposes, but God uses those same things for good. There are numerous examples of that in the scripture. I look at, at what has happened in these last two years, and, and certainly it is the, not just my belief, but the belief of many millions of, of, of Americans that the evil one meant destruction and calamity upon America and upon the church, especially through this whole, uh, shall we say, pandemic, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, yeah. um, 
But one of the you, you mentioned a statistic in your book, and I and I said, well, there there's the gleaning, there's the the winnowing, there's the blowing the chaff away from the from the grain, or revealing the true remnant Christian and the true remnant church that's going to to stand firm, stand up, stand against this evil and this wickedness in our time, and 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 press in hard to Christ and share the true gospel, the only gospel that saves, which is faith in Christ alone. You mentioned that according to one estimate, now, now you didn't list, uh, list the source. If you know what the source was, I would love to hear it. Um, but according to one estimate, 50% of the churches that were functioning in January 2020 are no longer open in December 2020. So in that time span of one year, 50% of the church is closed and they're not open anymore. Now, if that's not a shaking and a gleaning and a blowing the chaff away so that the remnant can be stronger, I don't know what is. It absolutely isn't. I cannot remember the source, but I can, if I put it in the book, it, it was, it was real. Yep. And God, even in that, okay, what is happening uh, of, course, of course, a lot of these were pastors who weren't saved themselves, and that's why their churches fell apart. And then uh, w- what happens to the people in the churches then? Well, some of them, in fact, quite a, quite a few of them, have shown up in my church, the church I go to, and gotten saved. Um, now, this would not have happened if their church had not been you know, closed. So God has his ways of bringing good out of evil. I think you just mentioned that yourself just a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. yep. but he, he, he's using this as a tool to, to get some of these people where they can hear the gospel and where they can be saved and brought to the knowledge of the truth. So ultimately God has the last word. Yes. A, amen. Amen. And I think a lot of those churches that closed down, what was standing behind the pulpit was not a pastor. It was a hireling. And and you mentioned D. James Kennedy, his his research that went into uh, creating evangelism explosion um, statistically revealed that less than 50 percent of of pastors who claim to be a pastor of a Christian church were actually believers. Now, that's an astounding that's an astounding statement. And yet. We see that more and more today. There are there are pastors that that claim, listen, I'm an atheist, but I'm pastoring this. I mean, it's it's the most ludicrous thing that I've ever seen in my life. And yet that's exactly what's happening. Kennedy was a little bit ahead of his time. I think that's the point. Well, a lot ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and just think about it for a minute. What would God want? Well, he'd want these, he'd want those atheists out of there. So they're out of there. Mm-hmm. And it was Satan who got them out. You know, Satan's underlying all, all of this, all of this evil. But yet through the evil, God is working good. What was it? The end of the, the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph says to his brother, well, you, you thought evil against me, but God turned it unto good to save many people. Yeah. Well, wow. Yep. I mean, that, that's, that's God. Amen. Amen. You mentioned uh, in your book too, David, uh, a quote, actually uh, several quotes from, from uh, Francis Schaeffer. And I I have to say, Francis, I I cut my, as a very young Christian, and this was, I've been born again for 38 years and uh, probably two, three years into my, my faith walk, I discovered Francis Schaeffer. And I have to admit that when I first started reading and studying Schaeffer, I was in deep water and I was flailing, trying, trying to, to breathe and trying to, you know, grasp what Schaeffer was talking about. Um, but, but reading him back then helped me so much. And I, and I credit Schaeffer with, with uh, really putting me on the path of, of uh, studying and, and becoming, becoming uh, educated in apologetics and evangelism and all of those things. Schaefer was key in my own life. But you, you, you quote Schaefer here, and I'm just going to read this quote from your book. It's found on page 10 because I thought, well, you know, Schaefer wrote this back in the early 80s. 
And, and, and this is exactly what we see happening right now. Schaefer said this, um, if further recessions come, if fear of the loss of personal peace and prosperity increases, if wars and threats of wars intensify, if violence and terrorism spread, if food and other resources in the world become even scarcer, and all of these are more than possible, then the trend is speeded up. As these things come upon people who have only the values of personal peace and affluence, they will crush them as a six-wheeled truck will crush the little bridge, end quote. And I thought, man, that's ex- <laughs> that's exactly what we see happening today. People who are not anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who have no faith in the Lord Jesus, who have not been reconciled to the Father through faith in Christ, they are easy pickings for the enemy. When all these troubles start ramping up, they're going to be steamrolled like they're hit by, a, as we say today, a Mack truck, right? Right. Here's the, here's the uh, Schaefer book that is my personal favorite. Yes. And this is, while I'm showing it, there's, there's End Time Living, which is what we're talking about. Um, that was a big influence on this. On this. Um, yeah. um, and also on a, on a couple of other other books that I wrote, I changed the, the order of um, wording in one of them, um, <laughs> but but I used I used Shaker's wording. I just changed the order a little bit because I wanted wanted to make it a little bit more plain. Because what you said is very true. Shaker is hard to understand, but but he had a he had a real depth of of, of spiritual understanding. But yes, but when he wrote, he wrote kind of up here, you know, it was hard to get, get it. But when you finally did get it, it was worth it. Yes. Amen. Amen. If, if I didn't, but if I would have had the opportunity to, to sit with him in person and to hear him teach, I'm sure it would have come through a lot easier than, than what, uh, but listen, I, I, I recommend uh, Schaefer to anybody who wants to understand. And again, this was four decades ago, he was writing this that what what he saw coming, it's here right now. Well, let's touch on, uh, David, we've got about seven minutes to go, um, but let's, let's touch on um, the idea, the characteristic of a Christian today that's being used of the Lord. And that means that he's a watchman. And the Bible tells us in both, both the Old and the New Testaments that Christians are to be watchful. We are to be watchmen. We must stay awake. And I know that's an, an overused phrase, uh, you know, wake up, be awake. Uh, you know, well, I'm awake. I understand. Well, listen, what does that actually mean, scripturally speaking, um, to be watchful or to be a watchman. And of course, we can touch on Ezekiel 33 and any place else you want to go with that, David. Well, actually, I remember looking up the word and there was seven, there were seven uh, translations of this, this particular word, I, the Greek word that's being translated as watch or watchman in, in, the, in the New Testament. Uh, and it, 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 it broad. It's not just it's not just paying attention to what's going on, but it's 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 getting involved, um, ordering your life and, and your Christian walk according to what you see happening, uh, anticipating what will be coming next. Um, it's 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 more than just paying attention. It's, right. it's altering your lifestyle accordingly when you see something happen uh, happening um, so that you are remaining in God's will and, and you don't do that all of a sudden unless you unless you really are paying attention and and get to the point where you can anticipate a little bit what's coming up um, it'll it'll hit you like it did Peter and you'll get panicked and run yeah but the Lord is the Lord, even even when that happens. That, thank praise God, because He does. He, when we come back, He welcomes us, um, and of course He did that with Peter, 
and he would do that with us. But the preferable thing would be to be prepared uh, by watching, you know, praying, preparing, just, just getting your whole mind and heart, soul, mind and spirit oriented in the right direction so that you say the right thing, do the right thing and are not surprised or shocked when something bad happens. Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, in chapter um, three, titled Let Us Pray for the USA, there are several points, and I'm just going to read these points, uh, David, and and, uh, feel free to comment as you feel led. Um, Let us pray for the USA. Here are the two things, or here are the list of things that you have in your book, page 26, um, that we should be doing. So we are to watch. We are to pray. We are to prepare for tough times. We are to share the gospel. We are to stand firm with head held high. We are to fear nothing. Don't even worry or be anxious. We are to be ready to flee and live off the land if necessary. We are to avoid moral dissipation. And finally, in every situation, we are to trust God. Boy, that's a great list, David. It is. That's actually, I had something like four or five lists, but I like that one. Um, it, it really gets to the heart of it. Uh, and that is the first list, I believe. Um, I think the last one has 15 or 16 points to it. Um, but this one is straightforward, easy, easy to understand, and it really covers most of it. Um, you could add other points, sub points, and extend the list as I did. But I, I agree with you that that is that's probably the best, most um, pertinent list in the book because yeah. readily understandable and it really hits the high spots. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time, but I do want to cover one last subject, uh, David, and it's one that that Christians really need to help other Christians um, break the break the the ties and the and the bondage of in their own lives today, and that's fear. Fear it seems like has captured so many people's minds and hearts. The scriptures command us repeatedly: do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. We're not to be a captured or enslaved to fear, and yet we see that today. How important is it? that that believers help other believers and then even those who are not of the faith who are not born again to get to get uncoupled from this fear that that I believe has been uh, intentionally manufactured and pushed on people to to capture their minds and cause them to be obedient to the to the program what do you think david i, I even at the outset of it about a, about a year ago I said, this is nothing but fear mongering. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. The whole thing with COVID was fear mongering. Uh, that's way exaggerated. Uh, I know of two people who who received message in the, in the mail that they, they had COVID and they hadn't even been tested. This whole thing is, is just, <laughs> just a big farce. There's all kinds of lying statistics out there. Yeah, people get it and, and some people die from it, but it's a virus. And so it's flu a virus. Yeah. Um, and, and there's all this stuff about um, the, 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 the steps we have to go through, the, the, um, the, the ridiculous things like wearing masks. You got to wear a mask or you're going to jail or you're going to get fired. Uh, oh, you, you got to get it. If you don't get a shot, you're going to go to jail or get fired. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. This is just nothing but fear mongering. They now have shown, uh, doctors have shown that. The immune system is more important to stave off COVID than a mask. Yeah. Uh, and the immune system is being ignored by wearing a mask because you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide, which harms the immune system. So the whole set, whole thing is turned upside down. Yeah. And the things that are harming you are being forced on you. And people getting these shots, I've, I've heard of some the very next day they got COVID. And yeah. they just got a shot. I mean, come on. This is, this is just nothing but this is politicized. It's fear mongering. Like you said, it's yeah. capitalizing on people trying to make them afraid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. 
Friends, there is so much more that we could talk about in in, uh, David's book, but I encourage you to go to Amazon, get the book, In Time Living, Despite Conflict and Hardship, All Is Well. Or you can go to David's website, endtimesmystery.com, and get a copy uh, there for yourself. I appreciate you joining us today. Please share this show. And remember, we're live on Rumble now, so look for us there next week. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. 